BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Hey, posted at Smirconish.com and in all my social media, including today's daily newsletter, is a serious piece of work from Matt Flegenheimer at the New York Times, the magazine, under the headline, Is Ron DeSantis the Future of the Republican Party? Matt, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations. This is, a, this is almost a book. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for getting through the whole thing. In an extensive examination of his life and record across more than 100 interviews with AIDS allies, antagonists, and peers who detailed several previously unreported episodes spanning his decade in elected office, you heard a consistent appraisal of DeSantis, what he believes he brings to the table. What is that? He thinks he has these political instincts that match the moment, and and he might be correct, and and I think you know, his recent history, both in office and, and winning the office that he holds, is really a series of politically risky decisions on paper um, that, you know, with his base worked out in the way that he hoped that they would um, for him as he positions himself essentially as the, you know, consensus heir to the Trump throne uh, or to the party's throne, at least, um, as he considers a run in 2024. Well, I think he did nothing to hurt his laying claim to that mantle in the last couple of days with this whole Martha's Vineyard stunt. Sure. I think it's of a piece. I mean, we really, and the piece gets into a lot of this, the, the last now three plus years, particularly over the last two and a half years or so since the onset of COVID, um, he has governed in Florida in such a way that has really positioned the state as kind of the national capital of, of right-wing social causes. And, and certainly this episode um, with Martha Vineyard has has reinforced that, and and you've seen a lot of support for him for all the outrage it's generated um, among opponents. You, you see a lot of support for him in conservative media on the conservative base. This is playing with the audience that he is intending it to play with. I think the big surprise to me, a number of surprises, but the big surprise to me in your piece was saying that. You know, even before the raid on Mar-a-Lago, he was planning to run and nothing that has happened since then has dissuaded him. I always thought that he would stand down, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that if Trump really were going to run, that DeSantis would wait his turn. But apparently that's not his current thinking. Sure. And, and you know, with the caveat that, um, you know, I'm not in the prediction business and if I had been, I'd be wrong about all sorts of things over the last several years of American politics. Um, but certainly the people around him um, have suggested that there is um, 
you know, certainly nothing in the last couple of weeks that has changed his long-term thinking on this. And, you know, it's just, it's hard to know how a lot of this sort of legal jeopardy for Trump plays out and, and what position he might be in politically on the other side of it. Um, certainly for the moment, DeSantis has tried to thread the needle and, and spoke about the raid, um, as he put it, in the sorts of terms that you heard from other Republicans, defending Trump, attacking uh, federal law enforcement on the grounds that they shouldn't have come in in this way. Um, so he has sort of stayed in Trump's good graces in that regard, but certainly as it relates to 2024, he has conceded nothing and, and has certainly not indicated publicly that he would stand down if Trump decided to run. Matt, is he the same person who was a, a young member of Congress, or is this a different Ron DeSantis? Hmm. I think fundamentally he has um, had a vision of his political future going back to, you know, even before he was in office, that he would um, ascend, you know, a childhood friend of his said he would talk about being president um, in his youth, and, and certainly he has imagined great things for himself. Um, as a, a former colleague of his in the House, that he didn't seem like somebody who planned to be in the House very long um, and was running for governor, you know, before he was 40. I do think, um, you know, some of the people who worked with him in Congress um, did not remember this sort of culture warrior side of him being so prominent. Um, there was uh, one conversation he had with the counterpart where he sort of lamented the party's kind of old guard preoccupation with sexuality and said, you know, I don't care if you're gay, who, you know, I don't care why people get caught up in that. And certainly, you know, as a member of the House, he did not distinguish himself as any kind of social crusader that, you know, would separate him from, from other members um, of the Republican House coalition. Um, so I think as, as governor, he has definitely steered the state into the culture wars in a way that might have surprised um, some folks who worked with him prior. Um, at the same time, he has been pretty consistent about wanting to maintain a high political profile. And, you know, the political market incentives being what they are right now, he has responded accordingly. I was surprised when a couple of weeks ago he came to my state of Pennsylvania and did an event with Doug Mastriano, Mastriano, who on January 6th charted buses and it very much caught up in uh, the uh, the questioning of the outcome of the election. I was surprised that DeSantis would want to get so close, A, to Mastriano and B, to that issue. Having just invested all this time studying DeSantis, what can you tell us about his record in terms of accepting or not accepting the result of the last election? Sure. Well, I was at that event in, in Pittsburgh, um, and it was striking. I, I think he, as we say in the piece, it, it sort of is an attempt to have it both ways to some degree. Um, he, you know, does not stand there on stage and say the election was stolen um, in the way that some candidates running in this cycle have. Um, but even by appearing with Mastriano and talking up you know, the election police force that he's put into place in Florida, um, and sort of speaking darkly about the you know case of ballot counting in 2020 in Pennsylvania, it does sort of wink at that uh, element um, of folks who refuse to accept the legitimacy of the election in 2020 without positioning him in the sort of full-scale conspiracy camp that that others in the party have um, slotted themselves into. Um, so I, I do think you know, and it wasn't just Mastriano; he appeared with Carrie Lake in Arizona with JD Vance. There, there's been a, a list of folks he's campaigned with who have raised serious doubts about 2020 election and, and spread a lot of the 
lies that the uh, you know Trump and his team have propagated since the election. Um, DeSantis has been more careful in public talking about the results in 2020. He has not gone all the way um, to the sort of full conspiracy fringe um, in his own remarks, but he has certainly gestured um, in the direction of folks um, he refused to accept. This may this may sound like a, a foolish question to ask about someone who's already been elected to Congress and has now been elected governor of a of a big state. But is he sufficiently likable? Your colleague David Brooks, among others, but it was Brooks uh, in a column about a week ago, and I don't have it in front of me, but he pretty much said, "Look, the guy's prickly. I can't see him getting elected because um, he's he's just not sufficiently likable." And you hear that from others watching him out on the stump. What do you see? Hmm. I can tell you he was well-received in that room in Pittsburgh um, and in other rooms um, that I've been in with supporters of his. Um, you know, it's it's a real skill, and it, it takes work to um, be a national candidate and to be at the microphone and hold the attention of a room. Um, he is not the sort of electric um, performer that, that some past presidents might have been, um, but he's, he's certainly... Um, position himself in such a way that, that really resonates with a lot of the supporters. And, and I think he has, particularly through the way he's governed um, and the way that he's been covered in conservative media, um, there, there is this sense of him as a kind of conquering hero of the right. Um, and his appeal is rooted less maybe in, in sort of being an electric speaker on the stump. Is he battle-tested? It's interesting. For all of the um, sort of incoming he has taken from the left um, and in the press and elsewhere, electorally he is not as battle-tested as you might think, um, given his reputation. He obviously had a very close election in 2018. Um, in Florida, he, he won by 30,000 votes or so against Andrew Gillum. Um, given what we know of Florida, um, over the last couple of cycles, it was not, you know, the most impressive margin of victory. Um, Trump certainly won by more in, in 2020. Not that that's an apples-to-apples comparison exactly, but he has not um, really ever taken significant heat from the right um, in a campaign. He, he, well, he had a primary in 2018, obviously. He was the underdog. He um, ended up beating Victor Adam Putnam, who was seen as the favorite. But both in the House and in that governor's race, he, he has not taken the sort of relentless fire that he would take in a Republican primary, let alone one against Trump. Matt, I circled this paragraph in your piece. By the way, this is Matt Flegenheimer from The New York Times for the magazine, wrote this very detailed analysis of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. It's in all my social media right now, and I highly recommend everybody who listens to a program like this read it. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. 
you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen Gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. The paragraph that I circled in your piece really above all else was this, quote, yet what distinguishes DeSantis elevating him for now above the cruises, the Cottons, the Mike Pompeo's and Pence's is a central insight into where the party is and where it is headed. If a DeSantis campaign would be a referendum on which parts of Trumpism voters value most, the burn it at all fury at elites, the perpetual grievances, the blunt force magnetism of Trump himself, DeSantis's read is that the signal trait worth emulating and then heightening is more elemental. It is about projecting the political fearlessness to crush adversaries with administrative precision. Uh, you wrote it better than I read it aloud, but just expand on that before you leave. Sure. Um, and thank you for, for directing listeners to the piece. Um, you know, I, I think his um, sort of signature as, uh, a governor and as a, a figure who has resonated so much with the conservative base is being the person who, who understands every lever of power available to him and uses it to advance uh, the conservative causes um, that he's trying to advance. There's a line in this piece, a quote from Christopher Rufo, who's an ally of his, a conservative activist, that Governor DeSantis understands culture war as public policy. Um, this notion that it's not enough to sort of merely complain about the left and point out the hypocrisies is the right view that but to use the tools of power that a governor has, that an executive has, um, to that end. And I think on a host of issues from COVID to transgender issues to um, corporate uh, governance, there's been a, a large number of social issues and other issues in Florida that he has sort of operated with that in mind. And, and it has played um, you know, the Disney fight especially, I think, stands out. And we get into this in the piece of it. But it, it really has played with the people he is trying to connect with, both in the state and nationally. And, you know, I think that has been how he's sought to position himself as a governor. The title of the piece is Ron DeSantis, the future of the Republican Party. If someone thinks that he is not, uh, then I, I, I want to hear the name. If it's not DeSantis, who is the embodiment of the future of the GOP, 
then I need that blank filled in for me because I believe that he is. Matt, thank you so much. Great job writing it, and I appreciate your willingness to come by and discuss it at length. Thanks so much. Take care. Matt Flegenheimer, ladies and gentlemen, from The uh, the Times. I I had contemplated making this the poll question of the day today, but then I thought, hey, if I don't do a, a Queen Elizabeth II question today, I will lose that opportunity. But it might be tomorrow's question. So I'll ask it very simply. Is Ron DeSantis the future of the Republican Party? And if your answer is no, okay, no problem. Tell me who is. But tell me immediately. I'm at 855-486-1776. If it's not DeSantis, I don't think that Trump is the future. He Trump might be the nominee. He might be elected president. I don't think he's the future. Long term, I think it's DeSantis. I do. I, and I'm not saying now I feel like I'm Halpern. I'm not saying this because I'm for DeSantis. I'm an observer. What would Mark say? I'm an observer. I'm a reporter. I'm an analyst. I'm just telling you this is how I see it. DeSantis is the guy right now who seems to have caught lightning in a bottle for half the country. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124, and on the SXM app. Your Ron DeSantis phone calls in a sec. TC, what's the latest? What's going on with regard to the funeral? Okay, so let's review where we were. So her funeral was, the Queen's funeral was this morning, starting at 6 a.m. Eastern time at Westminster Abbey. From there, her coffin was taken on a long process through the streets of London towards the Wellington Arch and then put into a car and driven to uh, Windsor Castle. So the Queen in the last few minutes has arrived at Windsor Castle and taken into St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle where a 
a committal service is now underway. So a service of committal has now begun for Queen Elizabeth II in St. George's Chapel, Windsor, where her late husband's funeral was held. I thought it was pulled up to Windsor Castle. One of the people waiting for her was a man with her two corgis. So I thought mm. that was a poignant moment, especially because I grew up with corgis. So I, I always notice them. And um, yeah, it's been really spectacular so second, to watch. Second religious service of the day. Right. And then right. she'll and be by the and end then of today, she'll be, she will then she'll be laid to rest. Laid to rest. Yes, sir. Uh, okay. On Ron DeSantis, you'll not be surprised that there are lots of they're all over the place. So let's let's get to all of them quickly. Brian, Arizona, what would you say about DeSantis? Bottom line? Well, bottom line is that in all of the years that I've been listening to you, the first time I ever want to question your judgment is come about this morning me that Ron DeSantis is the future of the Republican Party. Um, I think I think David is being genteel when he says his personality is prickly. If if Ron DeSantis were eighteen or twenty years old, we, we would call him a punk. Um, he has a he has a very arrogant personality. Um, he's very difficult to like, and or I, I, I question his political judgment in that he thinks. By me, I got to I got to move because I did say it's a lightning round. By me saying I I answer Matt Flegenheimer's question. The title of the piece is he the future of the Republican Party? Doesn't mean like I'm rooting for him, but I'm sitting back and I'm saying yeah. If not him. He may- Lee, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, quickly do what? I wanted to say I think it's I think it's Haley. Only reason being I think the Saunders is great for the Republican Party, but once he gets in that the the, the main deal when everybody has to look at him, he's gonna have a problem with blacks, women, and Latinos. If I were Republican, I would sway toward Haley or Scott because I think one primary they'll be more sellable to the rest of the country. Interesting. And thank you for keeping it short. I appreciate it. Wisconsin, Richard, your view? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's the future. Uh, rule of law. People just pushing those buttons the right way. You could see, you could see him gaining uh, favor among Wisconsin Republicans, right? 100%. Yeah, agree. Uh, Deborah, Ocean City, Maryland. Go ahead. Give me a name. Larry Hogan, and I'm a Democrat, but I think he's done a wonderful job in Maryland, and he's center. I know, but that that's and and I I have a I have high regard for him, but that's probably why he could never win the Republican nomination for for those reasons. Dan, Los Angeles, hi. He's not the future if he runs against Trump. If he runs against Trump, Trump will attack him. And he'll be called a rhino, and the Trump supporters will never support him again. That's interesting. You know, come for the king, you best not miss. So if he's going to go in and, and tangle with Trump, if he doesn't beat him, even though he's 43, he's about to be 44, I think. Young guy. Uh, I mean, we're talking about politicians these days who are twice his age. So DeSantis, he's got a lot of time on his side, but he's obviously in a hurry. If he if he goes and fights Trump and loses, then I understand your point. Then I understand your point. But if he topples him, then then it's his.
There's no way, final thought if I can say this, and, and, and then I'll take one more call. There's no way Donald Trump is happy with DeSantis getting all the attention that DeSantis received over the course of the last few days because of Martha's Vineyard. Ron, give me the, uh, the view from up north. You're in Montreal. I think that uh, because he's uh, mostly a fraud and it doesn't seem that he truly believes in most of his own policies. He's a Yale guy putting, putting forward really silly, you know, public spectacles. I think on a national stage, he's just not going to he's not going to cut it with, uh, you know, with smart, sincere Republicans. In, in Matt's, somebody like. Yeah, I was going to say hello? in Matt's in Matt's piece, they uh, they were they had nicknamed him. The, thank you for your call. I'll just make my observation. They had nicknamed DeSantis the resume. They would just talk about him in Florida political circles as the resume. Why? Yale and Yale baseball captain. Harvard Law, Navy man who deployed to Iraq as an advisor to a SEAL commander. I think I think many of you who don't like Ron DeSantis's politics, and I need to see more of him because he's, he's not battle tested on a national stage. But that won't stop me from offering my opinion. I think many of the callers that I'm hearing from who are really uh, down on DeSantis uh, aren't standing back and saying, hey, could this guy get elected? But instead, you're you're respectfully letting your biases get in the way. Is he the TC? This is my default poll question for tomorrow, oh unless boy. I come Hang up on. with uh, something Polling else department tonight. Department is taking notes. Well, it's going to be very. It's going to be very straightforward. I'm, I'm going to copy uh, Matt's piece. Is Ron DeSantis the future of the Republican Party? The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.